At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Get out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday morning, yeah. December 13th, Check 2018. It out, it's the Beating the Book Podcast. Gil Alexander. This episode sponsored by the Power Rank 2018 Bowl Season Report. That's the work of Ed Fang. Ed, who's been a guest on this podcast many, many times. He's a Stanford PhD and regular guest on the Megapod. The PDF document has all his best predictions for spreads and totals, write-ups on each game that covers situations, and complete bowl pool advice. Like that as well. To check it out, go to thepowerrank.net. It's a URL that'll take you to a page where you can learn more about the Power Rank 2018 Bowl Season Report. Again, brought to you by Ed Fang. I highly recommend it again at thepowerrank.net. Week number 15 in the National Football League. And as Marco will tell you, that means it's our second to last week of the regular season because we do not do a week 17. And if I try, Marco will tell me we're not doing it. So uh, it is week 15. We're excited about it. As the NFL season comes into the home stretch, that voice you heard on the right, I believe, is that of Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. Good morning, Marco. Yeah, I was snickering. We did it once, and it was a total disaster. Total disaster. Because we don't know, we, you don't know who's playing. You don't know motivations, and it's a, just a whole thing. It's a squirrely week. Guessing lines. I don't do a guessing lines that week either. Thank you, Marco, as always. And Ace, you're here too, yes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, it's winding down, baby. But the postseason's around the corner, and that's the best part of the season, I yeah, think. Yeah, very, so. very excited, and we're very excited to have our uh, Score X. Winner, join us for the wildcard megapod right now, profitable in the lead. Three weeks to go now in the regular season. We'll see if he gets to the promised land or she. I don't know. Profitable could be a she. And our first returning guest of the year. We've gone this whole way having a different guest every week. He is our returning guest from week number one. He's been with us a couple times at least every year. 2011 Super Contest Champion from the Sanssouci team. Ladies and gentlemen, Brady Cannon. Good morning, Brady. Good morning, guys. Happy to be back. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, this is one of the fun things about football season every year, joining you guys, getting around the Megapod roundtable. I uh, appreciate the invitation and look forward to the next hour or so. We appreciate having you. 
All right, gentlemen, let's start it with Monday Night Football, as we always do. We go in reverse order. Monday night, New Orleans at Carolina. New Orleans coming off a come-from-behind win against the Bucks. That, coupled with the Rams' loss against the Bears on Sunday night, means that the Saints are back in the driver's seat for the number one position in the NFC playoffs. Right now, they hold the tiebreaker, having beaten the Rams this year. So the Saints need to just win out and they've got home field throughout the NFC playoffs. They're at Carolina. Carolina has lost five games in a row. They were 6-2. and two. Now they're 6-7. and seven. They lose last week to the Cleveland Browns. And it's one of these situations, again, where you, if you watch the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey fills up the box score seemingly each and every week. But Cam Newton in key situations, especially in goal-to-go situations, I don't know if there's something wrong with Cam, what's going on, but he has no touch whatsoever. He's like whipping the ball into guys from the five-yard line. It's like the worst thing to watch. Just awful to watch Carolina in key situations. McCaffrey, as I mentioned, 16 carries for 63 yards, two touchdowns, also six receptions for 38 yards last week in defeat. But the Panthers, 10 penalties for 68 yards, five straight losses, as I mentioned. That'll increase the heat on Coach Ron Rivera. Newton overthrew Jarius Wright on fourth and goal for three with 235 left. Uh, And even though Carolina got the ball back, Newton, who has been playing with a sore right shoulder, uh, didn't have Devin Funches. He was picked off by Demarius Randall with 57 seconds left, and that's all she wrote. Saints favored by six here. Consensus across the board. Let's call it six and a half consensus because it's all over the place, really. But six and a half appears to be the consensus right now as we do this Thursday morning at Carolina. Brady, we start with you. Your thoughts? Uh, I made the line Saints minus seven, Gil, and it opened up uh, Saints minus six and a half. uh, Pretty much six everywhere now, as you say. And then in the Super Contest, they made the number five and a half, which I think is kind of interesting. And I think it may close even lower. Uh, some recreational play may bring the the number back up a bit, but uh, you know, prime time game. All the early money, though, and every opinion I've heard so far is on the Panthers. And when I crunch my numbers, I have New Orleans winning this game by five points. So there's definitely not of a uh, not enough of a discrepancy for me to want to make a play on this game. And I think I'm glad my numbers came out as such because. Uh, as much as the situation makes sense for Carolina, I, I don't, I can't trust this team anymore. It was a while back on that Thursday night when they were just boat raced by the Steelers. They started out with an early score, and it looked like we were in for a really good game, and then Pittsburgh just took off and buried them. And I, I thought that was an anomaly for the Panthers. I thought they were a pretty good squad. And then the next week, I backed them on the road at Detroit, and it still ticks me off that uh, your good buddy Riverboat Ron decided to go for two instead of kick the extra point. My man. Uh, so anyway, that was five games ago. And like you say, Carolina hasn't won a football game since. Since November 4th, they haven't won a game. And before that, they lost two out of three. So I told myself a few weeks ago that this is a bad football team. I mean, they look sexy. McCaffrey is great to watch. But I think they're a little bit uh, in disarray right now. And I'm going to pass on this game. I know the Saints machine has so, uh, showed some vulnerability uh, in the last couple of weeks, but I, I just can't back the Panthers. So uh, I, I'm staying away from this one, Gil. I'm with you, Brady, on uh, on guessing lines on Monday on VEASAN and on the podcast here at Beating the Book. I actually guessed New Orleans minus four and a half. And so you would think it would trigger a bet for me on the Panthers once I see the line, uh, what the actual line is. But I absolutely refuse to put money behind the Carolina Panthers. I do not trust Cam Newton at all. 
I just think that this team has no clue how to win in crunch time. I think you said it right there. Yeah. They, they, they find a way to lose. They, they cannot close out a game. That's a good point. And yet, they are just a half game out of the number two wildcard position in the NFC. Minnesota's at 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. Carolina, along with Philadelphia and Washington, at 6-7. and seven. So they're in it. Right, they've got a lot to play for. Drew Brees, Marco, coming off a twenty-four of thirty-one performance uh, at Tampa Bay for two hundred one yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked one time. Only two hundred ninety-eight total yards of offense for the Saints in victory. They were down fourteen to three at halftime. Came from behind to win it. They repeat as NFC South champions. Their defense limited the Bucks' number one ranked offense to eighty-one yards in the second half of that game last week, and most of that came on a final drive of the game, sort of garbage time. So Saints defense, not often lauded as the strength of this football team and certainly won't be considered that now, certainly better this year than they have been in recent years. Well, I can't disagree with anything you're pointed out there. The thing of this is I looked at the Carolina team and last week, you know, I was on them a couple weeks ago. They burned me and I've been on the sidelines. I've watched the games the last couple weeks. I haven't touched them since that stupid uh, Seattle game in which they went up and down the field and found a way to lose. But when they lost to the Browns last week, I said, uh, all right, this is it. This is now. <laughs> totally. Get the fork out. <laughs> stick, the, stick it in, Carolina. We're, gonna, yeah. we're going against them. And then what do I do? But I pull my schedule book out, see who they're playing next week. And I'm going to go back to an earlier game this year, guys. I, I pulled it out, and I brought out the El Pacino line from, you know, Scarface just when I thought I was out. Mm-hmm. They pulled me back in. Oh, no. And it was the New York Giants, and we got the win with that game, if you remember. And what did I say? It's a team that's in total disarray. They're garbage. They're, you know, you can't play them, but it's a Monday night game prime time they don't want to be embarrassed uh same thing applies here to carolina this is the last game that you can even consider looking at them this season if they lose this game just go ahead right now and bet the advance line for next week uh when they go to atlanta they'll get your when atlanta comes to town they'll lose the game outright uh this is a team that this is it and riverboat ron can use his moniker all he wants in this one because they're the underdog. They're given no shot to win this game, um, really no pressure. Yeah, there's pressure that they technically can still get to the playoffs. They're only a half game behind, and Minnesota looks like they're in free fall right now and all of that. But what do you have to lose? It's fourth and two, go for it. You're down one at the end of the game after scoring a touchdown. Go ahead, go for two. Who cares? (laughs) You know what? I'll take the points here. Uh, you know, I, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> live it up, Ron, because you're going to be gone at the end of the season when you miss the playoffs. I don't know if I said this on this show or on Veasan on a numbers game, but Riverboat Ron, there's been situations this year, notably the Detroit game where they lost by a point. And he went, he elected to go for two at the end. Where I almost feel like his nickname made him go for it, right? Like it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy. Like he's like, well, I gotta live up to riverboats, so I'm gonna go for it here for no reason whatsoever. And then I also think that he's gotten to the point where he's Dusty Baker. 
And so what I mean by that is Dusty Baker, a lot of us like to kill Dusty Baker for always making the wrong moves in a baseball game as a manager. But Dusty Baker's gotten to the point now where even when he makes the right move, sometimes it just doesn't work out for him when he was a manager, that is. And I think Ron, Riverboat Ron is at that point. So he's like, you know, he goes for it when he shouldn't. And then when he does the right thing, like Graham Gano shanks one, I just think he's that guy right now. Ace, your thoughts here on this game. By the way, it should be noted, Saints last week against the Bucks, first half, they ran the ball nine times for just three yards. That was a little off. Now, they, they stuck with it, which I like, and they finished with 100 yards on 30 attempts. But that was a really slow start after a really bad game a week before on Thanksgiving against the, uh, not on Thanksgiving, but the uh, Thursday, the previous Thursday against the Cowboys. So the Saints had about three halves of ridiculous football. We'll see if that ever rears its head again. How do you feel here? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of those games where, again, you know who the better team is, and it appears they're in opposite trajectories. But like we say, I mean, when you, when you talk about betting sports, the, the point spread becomes the great equalizer. Um, and how much better is one team than the other? Um, now we're looking at two teams that really know each other well. And the bottom line with the Saints is this, as good as they have looked, meaning they're 10-1 and one straight up and against the spread in their last 11 games, um, they haven't looked all that great in the last three. In fact, they got really lucky to cover against Tampa Bay, a game they were down 14-3 in, um, and they've only averaging a little over 260 yards a game over the last three. So this high-powered offense um, has been slowed down a little bit personally because i have a lot invested in a saint's future i would like to see them lose a game in the regular season as opposed to going into the playoffs on a run um i just think it, it it's good to, to refocus a team i, I know they it happened at dallas um in that three-point loss uh, but again, I didn't like how they responded against Tampa Bay, falling behind like they did, um, turning the ball over, even lost the turnover battle. Personally, I think this may be a little too many points, and I agree with Marco. I mean, sure, Carolina's uh, alive uh, mathematically, um, but they're kind of in a no-loss situation. I mean, it's primetime game. It's, it's a divisional rival. And let's not forget, more important than anything else, these two teams played each other three times last year three times saints won all three games against them um including playoff revenge for carolina losing last january in new orleans as six and a half point dogs um in new orleans lost that game by five if you remember uh so again i mean there's a lot for carolina as far as liking the 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 situation they're in and not liking again the trajectory they've been in the last five weeks Uh, but with that said they've just found ways to lose games they haven't been getting blown out other than that pittsburgh debacle the loss to detroit was by one the loss to seattle was by field goal by tampa one score cleveland one score granted all those games were very winnable um with that said, if you look at the point spreads in those games, it's not like they were big favorites in any of them. I mean, they were a one-point favorite in Cleveland. They were a three-point favorite against Seattle. Um, you know, So, again, they've been playing close games. I think six and a half, I, I like that. And I lean under also. Um, again, the, the, the Saints, you think high-profile high offense and all that, but they have not been an over-machine. They're, they're five and eight to the under, in fact. You know, a team that averages 35 points a game is – cashing under tickets um, because the total's too high. I mean, look over the last four games. You have 
two totals that are 55 or higher, one that was 61. It's pretty hard to hit these numbers, man. With one thing about the NFL betting market, it's extremely efficient. And we saw a lot of high-scoring games early. Well, guess what? Now we're seeing a lot of high totals late. And not too sure these games are going to keep flying over. So, again, I like the points with uh, Carolina. And I like the under as well, too. So that's where my mind is right now. Taking the points with Carolina, 6.5, taking the under in this one. Uh, It should be noted that really weird scheduling anomaly. The Panthers and Saints have not played yet this year. Division opponents. So they've got two games against each other here last three weeks. So it's home for Carolina at New Orleans, then a game at home against Atlanta, followed by at New Orleans. So best-case scenario for Carolina here in their pursuit of the number 2 wildcard position which, again, they're only a half game out of right now, is that they figure out a way to get the win here, and then somehow uh, that last game means nothing to New Orleans. So they would need a Rams loss at some point, too, for that to be the case. And then Carolina you know, would be a very credible thing to say they could win all three of their last games. But got to get past this one first, that's for sure, and that's a tall order. Sunday night, it's Philadelphia at the Rams. This is now at 11, 11 and a half consensus, somewhere in that pocket. It's up from nine and a half. The reason for that is that Carson Wentz underwent a scan on his back on Wednesday uh, that was inconclusive and was scheduled to undergo an MRI today, Thursday, to help diagnose an issue that has plagued him for several weeks. That, according to Adam Schefter over at ESPN, either way, it appears that Wentz is unlikely to play in this game against the Rams, NFL Network first reported that, that he was unlikely to play. There is a scenario where Carson Wentz doesn't play anymore this year at all, especially if the Eagles, and very likely the Eagles, uh, are eliminated this week. Eagles coach Doug Peterson saying that Wentz was experiencing soreness and tightness in his back and wouldn't practice. In his stead will be Super Bowl champion Nick Foles. Rams favored by 11.5. I've got nothing else to add. Marco. Yeah, this is uh, you're paying a price for the Rams, who are going to be coming home in a very angry mood. And last week, the Bears made Jared Goff look like Jared Goff under the direction of Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I mean, he was horrible last horrible. week. Four, inter- four interceptions. That defense just absolutely dominated the game. Uh, doesn't have to worry about that this week. Uh, last week... Philadelphia, probably the most misleading score of the weekend. Yeah. You know, it goes into overtime, and everybody that had Philly at plus three and a half was screaming, I got robbed in overtime. Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you, didn't. you shouldn't even have been in overtime. Okay, come on. When you give up 575 yards of offense, and the team that had all of that offense turned the ball over three times, you know, you were lucky you were even in the zip code of that game. So let's forget about all of that nonsense. And really, I got to tell you, if Dallas could put up those kind of numbers last week in what was literally a playoff atmosphere, because if Philadelphia would have won that game, Philadelphia was in control of their own destiny to make the playoffs. Now, you know, they're in deep, uh, you know what. Uh, with that loss, now they're going to play an angry Rams team that after pounding their heads against that brick wall known as the Chicago Bear defense for four quarters last Sunday, they're going to look at this defense and they're going to think they're running through Swiss cheese this week. I don't want to lay all those points, uh, but what I will play, and it's, you know, it's the ultra square play, but man, how many times have we sat here on this podcast and talked about a primetime game and said, 
oh, this is too square. I can't take the over. I'll yeah. try to sweat through the under. No, I'm not going to do that. If I get involved in this game, it's the over, and that's the only way I could possibly play this. You know the Rams are going to be in an angry mood. You know they're going to want to put up points this week, and this is a team prior to last week that's put up 35 or 30. 35, 36, 54 points in the last uh, four games. I look for them to come back and score this week and then just keep scoring. In Philadelphia, they should get some points because this is not a stellar Rams defense and find a way to get this thing over the total. 52, 52 and a half, somewhere in that pocket on the total right now, which is down from an opener of 54 and a half. And last week, and let me just give the caveat for Eagles fans and Eagles backers, the opening kickoff that the Eagles recovered the fumble on, just completely a travesty and a miscarriage of justice on a football field. Completely get it. The 75-yarder to tight end Dallas Goddard that was whistled for a uh, phantom offensive P.I. was maybe the worst thing I've ever seen on a football field. And yes, there were makeup calls uh, on Randy Gregory and later in the game on Zeke Elliott. The officials almost recognizing their error did everything they could do in their power to to allow the Eagles to matriculate it back and score anyway uh, after the Dallas Goddard miscarriage of justice. But there's nothing that makes up for a 75-yard flag like that that just comes out of nowhere it just so happened the Eagles were able to score but to Marco's point all of that said Eagles were outgained 233 to 70 before halftime uh, that's a first half stat but let me give you the full game stats that box score was just ridiculous and it, it went into overtime uh, as we know but Dak threw for 455 <laughs> 42 of 54 for 455 against the Eagles Zeke gained 114 on the ground, 12 catches, 79. Amari, 10 catches for 217 and three touchdowns. Total yards for the game was 576 to 256, 434 to 222 through the air, 142 to 34 on the ground. 93 total plays for the Cowboys, 48 for the Eagles. Cowboys were 8 of 16 on third downs. The Eagles were 1 of 9. But it really came down to Dallas miscues. Dallas was minus two in turnovers, and they committed 11 penalties for 111 yards. That went a long way towards keeping the Eagles in the game. Time of possession in that game, time of possession doesn't always matter, but in this game it was interesting. 47-28, remember it went into overtime, and Dallas almost used the entire overtime. But 47-28 for the Cowboys, 22-32 for the Eagles. Ace, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough to, to back. Eagles in this spot after that loss to the Dallas Cowboys because so much was on the line. But if there's one thing with the Philadelphia Eagles this season that's been pretty easy to predict, um, if they run the football, they have success. I mean, they, they cannot win or cover games if they don't have success running the football. And real quickly, what I mean by that is Against Carolina, they ran for 58 yards, lost the game straight up and against the spread. Against Dallas the first time, ran for only 71 yards. Lost the game straight up and against the spread. Against New Orleans, 58 yards. Lost the game straight up against the spread. And then last week against Dallas, 34 yards. Lost the game against the spread and straight up. Over the last seven games, the three games they did win, Jacksonville, Giants, Washington. What do all three games have in common? They rushed for over 125 or more yards per game. If they run the football, the Eagles could win. And you could run on the L.A. Rams. That's the bottom line. This is a defense that allows 5.1 yards per rush. So they will have some success. 
And with Wentz going down, you know me, that's usually the perfect storm for added value. The betting market always overreacts to injuries, suspensions, weather, and once it's factored into the betting line, it's useless information, and more importantly, again, the overreaction adds line value. The only thing I want to add with this matchup is the fact we know in Philadelphia this has happened before, and when Wentz went down, they went on to win a Super Bowl. So the reaction may not be as drastic as with other teams, meaning the overreaction. With that said, I still think double digits. You've got to look to Philadelphia or leave the game alone, and I get it. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. I hear the conversations in, in sports betting forums everywhere um, and, and on talk shows that were they about how double-digit favorites are doing in the NFL of late, you know, over the last five years, they've been money makers. You look over a larger sample size, 10 years, they have it. What do you pay attention recently or the bigger sample size? That's an argument. Who's going to win? You know, um, granted, if you've betting them lately, you've made money, but if you've done it over the last 20 years, you haven't. So what do you do going forward? Time will tell. Uh, but I think game by game, you got to look at it uh, individually, and I think that's just way too many points. I, I don't like that I disagree with Marco on the total, and the only reason is this, man. You're looking at two under teams. I mean, the, the books have done a really good job. They've done a phenomenal job. Obviously, you're going to pay a premium for Super Bowl champions, no surprise. Philadelphia's 4-9 against the spread. But the fact that the Rams are 11 and two straight up and only five and six against the spread. You haven't made money on them. Books have this team figured out pretty good. I mean, they've done a good job of not letting the Rams hurt them. And here you are again, forced to lay a big price with them. Um, I lean Philly in again. I think the total's a little bit too high. These two teams scored 78 points last time they played. Um, granted, not the same defense, especially on the Eagles side of the ball as last year. So I could see why the adjustment I don't think it should be that significant. Last year's total was 47. We're looking at a touchdown difference this season. I think it's a little bit too high. I like the under also, but I like the points with the Eagles more. I haven't bet the game either way, but if it was going on tonight, that's the side I'd be looking at. Best thing going for the Rams here is that this is at home and not in cold weather. Have you ever seen a quarterback just go into the tank? Like, cold weather is kryptonite for Jared Goff, like I've never seen it be for any other quarterback in quite the same way. 20 of 44, credit to the Bears defense as well, but from the outset, Jared Goff just looked like he did not want to be there. 20 of 44, no touchdowns, four picks, sacked three times. That was a career-high four picks. His passer rating is that of 158.3, is 19.1. And if Sean McVay can remember that Todd Gurley's his running back, because that's the other thing, that's the only weakness of Sean McVay is sometimes he just forgets he has Gurley. 11 carries for Gurley in that game the other night for 28 yards. The magic number for Gurley, Michael Lombardi always throws this out on VEASAN, 17 carries. You get 17 carries out of Todd Gurley, they never lose. But it was a game, you know, people can say, oh, they clinched the NFC West. Home field, especially this year, is everything, especially in the NFC. Like in the NFC playoffs, and right now, again, the Saints hold the tiebreaker. So even if the Rams win out, they got to hope for a Saints loss. In the NFC, NFC championship, I can see the Saints maybe going into L.A. and beating the Rams. I just don't see the Rams going into the New Orleans and beating the Saints. I really don't. So that game, to me, meant everything to the Rams the other night. They didn't look like they had any interest in being there. I think it might actually be a good thing for the Eagles to have Nick Foles going in this game instead of Carson Wentz. Um, I think it would have been really uh, hard for Philadelphia to get up off the mat and show up for this game uh, after the way they lost at Dallas last week and you know their hopes of winning the division 
basically done. But but Foles kind of opens up a new story or an angle. And of course, as you say, Gil, this is the guy who led them to their Super Bowl victory last year. So I think it's a little bit of a spin on the fallen hero theory, the team rallying together after their guy has gone down. But at the same time, the replacement is a hero that took them all the way. So you could almost not have a better turn of events if you're an Eagles fan for this game, for this game only. I'm not sure if that'll hold true after this Sunday, but in this spot, I think it gives them a reason to show up and possibly some inspiration with with Foles at the controls. Uh, I think it would have been really, really easy to fade the Eagles this week off of that last uh, game. And maybe this is maybe that's a little bit of an overreaction, but I think now you have reason not to fade them. And in my opinion, the, the line's too high. Wentz, Foles, I, I really don't think it makes a difference. It's too high. I made it eight, and it came out nine and a half. Now it's ten and a half or eleven. Um, my numbers have the the Rams winning this game by half that, four to six points, depending on how you account for the uh, the change at quarterback. And I haven't made a play on this game yet, but uh, I think there's only one way you can look here. And why are the Rams favored by 11 when Dallas was favored by three and a half last week? Okay, and in truth, they really won that game by three points. You know, the deflection turns it into a six-point win. And you guys make all great points about, you know, the the um, the discrepancy in yards gained. But, you know, if that's truly a three-point game, why are the Rams favored by 11 here? And I think that you can argue that Los Angeles has uh, less of a home field advantage uh, than Dallas. So Philly or nothing here for me, uh, as far as a side, I just think it's too many points. And, and again, I think Foles is actually kind of a, a good thing that gives this team a little bit of a lift who would otherwise just you know be pretty much writing the season off at this point. And, and Marco, I think you make a good point about the over, too. Certainly Philly has no defense, and the Rams should be able to go up and down the field. Uh, but with Foles in the lineup, I-, I think Philly will show up and put some points on the board. Maybe a mini contest pick on the Eagles, Brady, as the mini contest kicks off this week for the Super Contest, last three weeks? Maybe? No, no, no I, I, I'm not uh, I'm not that uh, dead set or don't feel that confident in the pick, but you know, I, I would have to take the points if I did play the game. All right. As I like to say, you're not uh, George costanza your way to the ticket window. <laughs> you're not pushing the women no. and children out of the way during a fire. I understand. Well, I mean, it's a theory that Nick Foles might give this team a little bit of a lift, but yeah. I don't know if you know a whole lot about this Philly team. You guys pointed out they were pretty darn lucky to be even close last week. There's been a number of spots where I've looked at them as a good spot to back them this season, and they've really failed to deliver a number of times. So not uh, high on my list to go backing them again. All right, let's go to Sunday daytime. Ace, you got dibs. Yeah, and again, I had a loser last week, and this is not by any chance uh, a pat on the back or, or like saying I had a great week, but th- this is just a perfect example of, of the, we have a, a listener group that's their, our demographic, guys like us, guys that bet. And the best way I could put it is this is a perfect example of why there's no such thing as going on the Internet and looking for that one lock and having that one game that can't lose and searching for that game of the year type nonsense that doesn't exist. Because last week I went 9-1 and one on my bets 
and the one that I lost was the one I gave out on this podcast. Nice. And uh, the, the best, and I give out bigger bets here. Honestly, I bet everything. I'll say like a uh, bet spread is the same. So say I'm betting five hundred. Uh, my best bets, I'll put one and a half x to two x. Is the most I'll go is two x. So if I have a five hundred dollar average bet, my best bet will be a thousand. That you know, it's the most it'll be. Um, but with that said, all right. Well, well can um, you can you do us a favor? Can you go one and nine this week and make the one the one that you get and give right the here? One the winner. Right? Right? Yeah, exactly, right? It, but see, no, that's just it. Would that matter more? You know what I mean? Like, that's why you've you got to be cautious, man. We all want that one game that's not going to lose, but there's just so much randomness in, in that 60-minute football game. But I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to give you a game again that I already bet. I already put one and a half X, probably going to go to two X by the time the week's over. Um, and that's San Francisco over to Seattle Seahawks. Um, I took plus six when the line opened, and that's why I have one and a half X, and I'm going to go to two X because I think I'm taking plus four now. Um, I think there's still value at plus four. As long as I'm getting more than a field goal, I like San Francisco. Uh, listen, Seattle's looked great of late, but if you really dig in, it's a team that's been outgained in five of their last six wins. If you look at the game they played against Seattle, San Francisco just two weeks ago, not even ten days ago, um, you look at that game, San Francisco held the ball for five minutes longer, had more first downs, threw for almost 400 yards compared to only 160 yards um, through the air for Seattle. Uh, the, the problem is turnovers, and two of the, tur- of the three turnovers were fumbles. And we know when, a fumble, when the ball hits the ground, it's random who's going to pick it up once it hits. The fact that they dropped, they fumbled twice and twice Seattle got it, it's hard to recover from that. So they're minus three in turnovers in that game, even though statistically they played a very good game. Um, so again, I, I think this line now is just, it opened too high, and I still think it's high. This Seattle team now, you're starting to pay that premium, that wild card must win situation. And um, you know, I think Teddy Cover said it best when he said teams are in must win situations because they ha- they've been mediocre all season. You know, if you've been winning and, and the Saints aren't in must-win situations, you know what I mean? Rams aren't in must-win situations. Granted, if you want home field advantage, there's still things to play for, but it isn't a must-win. You're in the playoffs. Um, so if a team's in a must-win, they're, they're mediocre at best. And again, Seattle's coming in having covered all these games in a row, but those are games they could have lost easily. I mean, against Green Bay, against Carolina. Uh, so for me, I think this is an overvalued Seattle team that just gotten lucky they haven't turned the ball over i mean they've had one turnover over the last three weeks um they've been creating turnovers and i think it's about time san francisco wins that turnover battle i mean they have not forced a turnover since october 28th against arizona they've gone five straight games without forcing the team to turn the ball over i hope that changes someday because i got a lot of money on san francisco I like them at plus six. I like them at plus four. I'll sprinkle them all the way down to plus three. Sprinkle me, my Sprinkle me, my Sprinkle me, my Sprinkle me, my So uh, give me San Francisco 49ers, no team finer this Saturday. Give them to me. That's a sprinkle as well right there. San Francisco indeed, right, indeed. right now plus three and a half as we do this on Thursday morning. By the way, really strange scheduling quirk. You have two Saturday games this week in addition to the Thursday night game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Houston's at the Jets. Cleveland's at Denver. Those are two Saturday games amongst five bowl games in college football. So of the remaining games that are on Sunday daytime, they left only two games for the afternoon. 
So there's there's eight, no, nine early games in the NFL on Sunday. Nine, and then two in the afternoon. Seattle at San Francisco, which is the uh, 105 Pacific, 405 Eastern kickoff. And then what amounts to a de facto standalone game, with apologies to the Seahawks and the Niners, unless you have money on them. New England at Pittsburgh. <laughs> this weird, this weird thing, right? Like, why do they only have two four oh five, you know, four o'clock games? I, I hate that, especially from a betting standpoint. That sucks. Wish they were more spread out. Uh, Brady, your choice of Sunday game, sir, or Saturday? Uh, yeah, or Saturday this week. Uh, I'm going to go with a real stinker here today, Gil. <laughs> and and awesome. by the way, there, there, there are some real stinkers I oh, think on this week's card. Man, are there ever? I, I yeah. thought. I thought last week provided like the most games on a Sunday all season that had these crazy, exciting finishes either in determining an outright winner or involving the point spread. And then there was like four games, you know, out of what, what is there, 16 games, whatever, there are 14 games. There was like four games all day that were immediately like C-SPAN 2 boring, while everything else, it seemed, was completely pure you know, today's NFL down to the wire, last two minutes, and in many cases down to the final seconds. And then this week, boy, uh, on paper, there are some bad ones. But, how, how dare uh, you? How dare you insult our legislative process? It is very exciting, Brady. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for that documentary to come out on C-SPAN. It'd be awesome. That's but, right. Uh, no, I am going to use one of those uh, ugly games, and that is the Arizona Cardinals visiting the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are uh, a pretty bad team, specifically really bad on defense. They rank uh, 26th in the NFL. Arizona's a really bad team, specifically on offense, ranking dead last in the NFL. But the Cardinals' defense is pretty good, and they rank in the top half of the league on that side of the ball. And I don't mind having an underdog with a better defense that has a shot to win the game outright. And they did just that at Lambeau Field two weeks ago. And the Packers, of course, just uh, beat the Falcons. So simply by the transitive, gentlemen, the Cardinals beat the Falcons, right? Mm-hmm. Well, seriously, they, they do get after, the, uh, they get after the quarterback. They're very solid on third down defense, and their defensive passer rating is much better than Atlanta's. And, and when the Ravens beat Atlanta two weeks ago, they out-yarded the Falcons 366 to 131, just 131 yards for this Falcons offense. And obviously the Ravens' defense is better than the Cardinals, but the point is, if a better defense can keep the Falcons' offense down, Atlanta has nothing left. They can't defend, and if they can't score, they're toast. And I also think this is a little bit like a college bowl game handicap. What, what does Atlanta really have left in the tank? Okay, and then you have the Arizona Cardinals with a first-year coach, a rookie quarterback. They're trying to improve. They're still trying to win games. They, they, they have something to play for, and that's winning anything. The, the, Card- or the Falcons, rather, uh, they're a team that's a perennial contender, a perennial powerhouse who is horribly disappointed to be where they are at this point in the season. And, and why do they care about this, you know, this, playing this team that is awful? when all they have possibly left to make anything positive about this season is to beat a couple of division opponents on deck in the final two weeks of the season uh, in the Panthers and uh, I think it's uh, the Buccaneers that they play uh, in the final game. 
I just think this Arizona or the uh, the Falcons team is awful. Uh, I, I thought last week the uh, Falcons against the Packers was one of the worst games on the slate with two teams, again, that have been horribly disappointing, two perennial contenders uh, that have each won four games, now the Packers five games after beating the Falcons last week. Um, and, and I just am not ready to, to back Atlanta. It, it, and what's funny is when I was getting this ready for this show, I saw all of a sudden the team coming in on uh, on the Falcons. And now the spread's like up to 10. It was the same thing that we saw with uh, the game against the Ravens. Everybody thought that was the spot for the Falcons. What happened? They got blown out. I, I think they've got a chance to, to lose this game outright as well. I made the number 6.5. It opened high as 9.5. It came down to 8.5. Now it's back up to 10, even 10.5. Um, as ugly as this is and as hard as it is to back the Cardinals, I don't think Atlanta can lay more than a touchdown to anybody. They've won four games all season. They've lost four at home. Give me the points. And Ace, go ahead, do the honors. Sprinkle it, baby. Sprinkle me, Sprinkle me, Sprinkle me, Sprinkle me. Oh man, Arizona. Sprinkle away, brother. Arizona plus nine and a half. The Falcons are that bad, man. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the game. Uh, that capsule had everything in it, Brady. I appreciate it. It had C-SPAN 2. It had the transitive property of geometry in there. Uh, you said the word out-yarded, which is always a favorite of mine. And all about a shit show of a football game. So we really appreciate that. Arizona at Atlanta. <laughs> uh, one of these games this week, along with, say, Washington at Jacksonville, Oakland at Cincinnati, Detroit at Buffalo. Eh, you know, these games are just awful. Unless you're betting on them. That's the... Uh, that's the great tonic. Marco, what do you got on Sunday? Well, I'm going to sound like Ace here and say I love the Sunday card. I had four different teams penciled in for what I was going to do on the show for the best bet. And the one that I was not going to use, I'm going to use because I was you know, saving this for uh, later in the week uh, on my premium phones, which will probably still be there because uh, I like the game and it's Christmas time. Right now, there's no team in the NFL that nobody wants any part of, more so than my Pittsburgh Steelers. They've lost three in a row, and guys, you want to understand why I am bald and I have high blood pressure. Well, (laughs) just look at the Steelers' last three games. Think about this for a second. All three games were decided in the final 20 seconds, either by a game-winning score or a game-saving turnover. All three games. You go back to the Denver game, Ben throws the interception to the, right at the goal line when they're, they're going in for the win. Uh, you go to the, or I should say for the tie. You go to the Charger game, comes down to not one, not two, but three field goal attempts before the Chargers finally <laughs> get it through the uprights at the end of the game on the final play of the game. And then last week in Oakland, They get down there. Juju almost breaks it all the way in for the score, for the win, but goes out of bounds with five seconds left. No problem. Let's bring in Boswell. Kick the field goal. Go to overtime. No, they're playing on a freaking cow pasture at the Oakland Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. And and I sent it out, you know, the picture of him slipping with his plant foot and said, the Steelers' season slipping away. And it was. But you know what? They're back home, and they're facing the New England Patriots. And you know what? Last week, and why nobody 
really ripped him. If, if Tomlin would have did what Belichick did on the final play of the game, we would still be talking about it. I agree. Stop. I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Belichick made a colossal error. He doesn't make many. You know, I you probably can count on one hand and have fingers left over the last five years mistakes he's made. But having Gronk on the field for the final play of the game was just stupid. He always puts him there for the Hail Mary play, and I agree with that 100%. He's a receiver that can go up and muscle for the rebound. He's got, you know, a tall wingspan with him, knows how to catch the football, obviously. Yes, 100% you put him on the field. They were at the 30-yard line. Tannehill couldn't throw it into the end zone from the 30-yard line in any lifetime, okay? Not going to reach the end zone. Wasn't a Hail Mary situation, and he was a liability on the field. And who, by the way, missed the final tackle? But Gronk. And because he's Belichick, oh, well, okay, it's all right. You know, colossal blunder. Let's look at the scheduling. First of all, all year long, New England has not been the same team on the road this year. They got drilled at Jacksonville early in the season. Yeah, that was the big revenge game for Jacksonville and everything. And they came to play, and Blake Bortles had a marvelous game. Uh, So, yeah, Blake Bortles threw for 377. Where's Blake Bortles now on the bench? They lose the next, very next week to Detroit. Then you go to the Chicago game. They win the Chicago game, but they only won that game thanks to the blunders of the Bears. The Bears put up 31 points against them. New England had a couple special team plays. Then they played that boring Monday night game. Yeah, they won in cover against Buffalo. Do you remember if they brought Derek Anderson? I think they pulled him off a garbage truck or something and put him in the lineup, and they needed a pick six to secure the point spread cover. Well, I got to be a garbage truck. They got railroad. They got railroaded in Tennessee. The Jet game, no quarterback. They had to have a pick six late in that one to get the uh, the cover as well, or I think an interception to save it. Uh, and then we saw what happened last week in Miami. Yeah, it was the last play of the game. They shouldn't have lost the game, but they weren't covering the game. And every time they scored, Miami answered it. They give up 34 points to Tannehill. The other unique part about the schedule for New England this year, every time they played on the road, they've played back-to-back road games. They've never had a home and away back home. All of their matchups this year have been in pairs. And this is going to be their fourth road game in five weeks. Nobody's talking about that. That's a horrible scheduling spot. Talk about revenge games. This is the mother of all revenge games for the Steelers. Because the Steelers lost that game last year on the Jesse James controversial call that should have been the score for the Steelers and win the game. But no, New England got it. And I think that game cost the Steelers twice because I think that's the reason the Steelers lost the playoff game to Jacksonville last year. All they were talking about and thinking about was playing New England the very next week in the revenge. Well, they didn't get their chance for revenge last year. They get it now. And last week in Oakland, horrible scheduling spot for Pittsburgh. Go to Oakland when they had this game on deck and after the Sunday night game against the Chargers. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. Everybody is looking at New England. I think Ben's going to be able to score. And how about how gutsy Ben coming back in the game? My question is, Why didn't if he, he come was sooner? able to come back yeah. in the game. Yeah. 
Tomlin, what are you doing? What okay, are you, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, anytime you're going to take Tomlin versus Belichick, it's a coaching mismatch. I got to give that part of it up. And I know that Belichick. It seems like every year he comes to town in December with that stupid freaking hoodie, and he should just have a green hoodie because for me, he's the Grinch that steals my Christmas every freaking December. Well, it's a Christmas miracle this year. Yes, it's a Christmas miracle. Steelers win this game. Ben's going to gut it out. Juju's going to go nuts. AB's going to get his. Connor will be back. But, hey, again, let's look at the system and the offensive line. Steelers really didn't have any problems at running back last week, and that was the third-string quarterback or third-string running back at the start of the season. I'll go ahead and take New England. I'll take my Steelers against New England. Wrong team's favorite. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you picked this game, and I have so much to talk about. I wish I was taking notes because I'll inevitably forget something here. One, you're right about Bill Belichick against the, uh, the Dolphins, the Miami Miracle for sure, and even more so than that. Tom Brady taking a sack at the end of the first half, which cost the, Steel- which cost the Patriots, uh, left them with zero points there on that drive. And at the end of the game, right before the Miami Miracle, New England decides to kick a field goal to go up five and kick off. They could have opted to just run the ball and try to score a touchdown. And even if they fail, they pin Miami back at the one-yard line. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but to Marco's point, if all of those things happen to, I don't know, the Cowboys under Jason Garrett or the Chargers under Anthony Lynn, we murder them, right? Bill Belichick, even the great Bill Belichick, deserves some criticism, and that was not his finest hour, to say the least. As far as Pittsburgh's concerned, Ben Roethlisberger, I completely agree with you at the end of that game, was very strange. It was almost like Tomlin decided, well, if it gets dire, that's when we'll put in Big Ben. And it sure got dire, and then like, all right, I guess he'll play. (laughs) And then, you know, as it proved, it was too little too late, because Boswell slipped on the the turf, as you mentioned. The other thing I just want to mention is this, and I'm with you, Marco. I will be heavy on the Steelers. I was guessing lines on Monday morning. There was no line on this because we didn't know about Big Ben at that time. I thought Pittsburgh would be favored. I really did. I was very shocked to see, and Vinny told me, Vinny Malilo, he said, don't be surprised if New England's favored. New England was favored by one when it came out. It is already two and a half. I do not agree with this move at all. Like, for all the reasons you state, I will be all about the Steelers. I'll be teasing them. I'll be playing them straight. I'll be playing them on the money line. I am all over the Steelers here as well. Glad you picked that game. Um, Let us do a Thursday night talk here because this potentially is a great game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Before we do that, as always, remember that support for the show is brought to you by Bookmaker.eu. They've been an industry leader for close to 30 years now. Professional players consider them a must because they're first to post odds, they take the highest limits, and they pride themselves, correctly so, on never having kicked out a winning player ever. That is huge. In fact, if you ask pros, what's the thing they value the most? That's it. Don't kick me out. Period. Let me play. You book it or not. Bookmaker, one of the only places on earth that still does not kick out a winning player. They're a high-volume sports book, best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting, also catered to large recreational players. And their motto, 
as it's been from the outset, is where the lines originate because chances are the sports book that you use follows their line. And once again, if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill, that's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L, visit them now. You can claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. I swear by Bookmaker. I don't know what I would do without them. Bookmaker.eu slash gill. That's gill with two L's. Join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300. Thank me later. Can't wait to bet on tonight's game, live, pre-flop, every which way. I'm all about the Chargers here tonight. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs. I do not believe in the Chiefs right now without Kareem Hunt. They will not have Spencer Ware tonight either. Both teams will be down to their third-string running backs. Williams for the Chiefs, Jackson for the Chargers. We've seen Jackson, Justin Jackson. He's been good. I just don't believe when the line doesn't change from Kareem Hunt to Spencer Ware, let alone to a third string, I don't believe it. I believe it in the running game. I believe there's not much of a downgrade. But in the passing game, you cannot tell me the Chiefs are as good. And I've purchased, I've, I've loaded up on some Chargers futures here for the AFC. I truly believe they are the sneaky team. I think they're the most balanced team in the AFC. And they're a team that has no home, really. So I don't care if they're on the road. Now, with futures, keep in mind, it's more profitable if you just bet them game by game in the playoffs. But I got them at plus seven or uh, plus seven ten, seven to one. Those are long gone for the AFC. Your thoughts on this game tonight, Brady? We'll start with you. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm with you, Gil. I have uh, some money invested in the Chargers' future as well, and I'm in that neighborhood of seven or eight to one. I got them a while back. Uh, we know the Chargers have had this game circled for some time now. Uh, but I think they can use that game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago to kind of calm their nerves a bit and, and maybe kind of go with a, a been there, done that, you know, uh, act like a champion type mentality and not crumble under the pressure that this game would normally present. You know, they went into a hostile environment uh, in prime time in Pittsburgh, never panicked, won that ball game. I think that really gives them a huge boost going into a very similar situation here tonight. I really hope they win the game outright. Um, I think three and a hook is a play. I, I made the line three. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it closes at three. Go Bolts. Go Bolts. Uh, by the way, the Chargers have called up a practice squad running back uh, as well, so it looks like Melvin Gordon is out even though they're uh, – officially leaving that open. Looks like it's going to happen. It looked like they're being clement weather when you looked at the forecast yesterday. Not so bad anymore. Marco? Yeah, i got to look at the, the Chargers as well. Uh, live dog here. This is a team that's been, you go back to the end of last season and what they've done this year. Uh, they're you know one of the winningest teams in the NFL. Kansas City, I will give them credit and give Pat Mahomes those two fourth down plays, especially oh, man. Uh, the second to last one where man. he's scrambling all over the place and yet throws across the field, across his body, and still hits the guy, I mean, in stride. I didn't have to make an adjustment of any kind, hits him in stride, heel for the uh, fourth down conversion. That play was huge. This, this kid just continues to amaze me week after week, and that was against what was you know the number one defense in the NFL. Yeah, that part scale scares me, but I see this as a game that's going to come down to the wire, going to be a three point game. And if I'm thinking it's going to be a three point game, and there's a hook out there, there's only one way for me to do it and grab that three and a half. Yeah, hooks everywhere still. Ace. Yeah, real quickly, on my best bet for the week, just so I could let the listeners know the way I gave it out to my guys, instead of betting, like uh, I, like I say, I 
do everything from 100 to 1,000 is how I rate my, my bets. Instead of doing this one, I liked a lot, a 750 or 1,000, I gave a 500 for the game, 500 first half. That's how I, I like to limit risk once in a while, kind of like going to two hands in blackjack, especially when you're able to get plus three in the first half and plus four for the game right now, plus three and a half in a lot of spots, but there's plus fours out there. But you could still get plus three in the first half, only minus 115, even minus 110 in some spots, just throwing that out there. For tonight, a game like this is what makes my job so difficult. You know, it's not just looking in the count, seeing what guys that win long-term are betting and, and passing that along uh, because these guys don't agree a lot of times, and a lot of times I don't agree with them. Um, and this is a spot where, uh, as soon as this line came out, uh, in, in the accounts that I give out to one group, they bet under 56.5. Another group came in behind them. When it got to 55, they still bet it under 55. Um, then last night, while I was out to dinner, the total was 52.5, and, and I start hearing all these pings. I look at my phone, and it's two different groups now going over 52.5. I wake up today, it's at 54.5. So what's the right side, under 56 or over 52? Time will tell. Um, I was looking at the Chargers, too. You know how I feel about Kansas City. I still think they're overvalued. Um, again, when they've stepped up, they've lost uh, against the teams, you know, New England, the Rams. Um, is this a step up? I think so. Uh, with that said, what scares me is that at looking at, at – back end of a book right now um, that already has a lot of plays and, and public plays, it's pretty split, man. The, the, the action's split. It's not one-sided, as you may think with Kansas City money. Um, but the fact that this line was 3 minus 15, and now it's 3.5, and, and it's n not public money that really is behind it, because I'm telling you, I'm not seeing one-sided public money here anywhere. Um, uh, it scares me a little bit, because I like the Chargers as well, but that Three and a half, man, and it's not the the, the public that laying that half is is what makes me pause a little bit. Yeah, Pinnacle Lean also uh, suggesting, uh, yeah, suggesting, hey, uh, give us money on the Chargers, but the Pinnacle Lean is not yep. what, not what it used to be, not what it used to be. No, either. no, no. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we get to uh, no, not before anything, let's do it. Final two questions of the big favorites this week, and uh, I'm gonna make it six points or higher. Which is the one that you believe is the most likely to lose outright Saturday? The Houston Texans, seven point road favorites, maybe six and a half, uh, on the road against the Jets, scintillating football. Uh, and then on Sunday, a whole bunch of them. Chicago, six-point favorites at home against the Green Bay Packers. Baltimore, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Atlanta, nine-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Arizona. Minnesota, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Miami. Can't believe there's some hooks out there in this game. I have no idea why Minnesota should be favored by more than seven in this ballgame. Jacksonville, seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Redskins. Kessler, Josh Johnson, Jaguars, Redskins, catch the fever. Sorry, got excited. Rams, 11-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Eagles on Sunday. And then, as we mentioned, New Orleans, six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Carolina. Most likely to lose outright of those big favorites, Brady. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think uh, Tampa Bay's got a shot. Wow. Uh, I made, yeah, I, I made this line seven and a half, and it opened up eight and a half, and, and I immediately took it as a play in a contest that I'm in. Uh, Baltimore comes off of that great game with Kansas City. Marco, you talk about Mahomes. I mean, my goodness, what, what a ball game and what a player that guy's been. Um, I thought it was one of the better one of the better football games I've watched all year, and, and they come up short. Um, and if it wasn't for Mahomes, you know, they probably win that game. 
they should have won it a couple times. Uh, the Chiefs were able to uh, escape uh, some fourth down conversions there. And, and what do they have up next is the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles on the road. Uh, I think it's a tough spot for Baltimore. Their top-ranked defense versus a top-rated offense, I, I normally prefer to play the defensive side in a game like that. But, again, I think the situation uh, is not good for the Ravens, and the pressure is all on them. You, you talk about uh, what was the, the Panthers game, being footloose and fancy-free. I think Tampa Bay is carefree, too, and, and should play a pretty good game. Joe Flacco, backup quarterback now fully healthy, the hip is fine, and he is your backup quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Marco? I'm going to go with one, and this is going to be one where I'm going to put a disclaimer to it because they're either going to win in a blowout or they're going to lose the game outright. And that's the Chicago Bears this week. It, the spot is just so horrible. Last week I'm sitting there, you know, just like I did with Carolina and say, okay, this is a perfect situation now. Carolina's done. I'm all excited to go against them. And then I see the schedule, who they're playing. Well, with Chicago, after that performance on Sunday night, I said, this is a young team. They're, they're still learning how to win, and this was their statement game. Fat and sassy comes into play. And then I look and see who they're playing. They're playing Green Bay. Their hated rival, the game that they gave away the first game of the season by 20 points. But still, that was such a huge win on Sunday night. Because, yeah, they had a couple other statement games this year, the division win on Sunday night against Minnesota and so forth. But when they beat the Rams in the fashion that they beat the Rams on Sunday night football, they told the world, we are a legit contender for the Super Bowl. That's when I want to go against the team is when they hit that pinnacle mark, the, the high water mark. And this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers. They're either going to stuff Aaron Rodgers if they come to play or Aaron Rodgers is going to pull his magic. I'm going to go ahead and say Chicago is the team that can get upset. All right. Ace, same question. Uh, I think you're right, Marco. I agree there. But I'm going to go, uh, listen, number one, I think there's a couple teams that could lose. So let's throw them out there. Carolina could beat the Saints at home. Um, Miami against Minnesota because the simple reasoning, fuck that team. I hate Minnesota, dude. <laughs> that, that, that's the bottom line. Just fuck that team. That's an excellent, um, excellent reason. Excellent reason. Thank you. Yeah. That's the best handicap I could give for them. <laughs> Fuck that team. <laughs> Going to go Eagles, baby. FTT. At plus 500, at plus 500 I got to go Philly. I don't think they should be a 5-1 to one underdog. Granted, you know, uh, they haven't been money makers on the road of late. I get it. Um, but still, I just think if you look at power rating-wise, strictly power rating-wise, um, I think the, the Carolina and New Orleans, I think Carolina could upset, but I think Philly's the, the most value. Okay. Getting five to one on a Philadelphia team, man. I, you know, again, Rams haven't lost a single game at home, so you know, and Philly's a two and four team on the road, but just they're they're capable. You know, what I mean, if they bring an A game, Philly's capable of beating anybody. So I think getting that many at five to one to me is was worth a little gamble. All right, let's keep it to ten seconds or less. What game do you want no part of? You live in a bizarro world, Brady. You have to make a side bet on everything but one. What's the pass? This one's pretty easy, Gil. Washington at Jacksonville. You, you talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think by the numbers, the Redskins are the side you'd have to back, but how can you do that? I mean, I can't yeah. remember a team that's been more injured than this team. This is a really ugly game. The, the Jaguars favored by 7.5? Come on. No, I, I don't want any part of this one. Total at 36. In today's NFL, that's uh, I think that's about a 27 in dog years and what it used to be. That's just so <laughs> low. Uh, Marco, what game? No part of. Uh, make it fast. 
it's ditto, and there's no part of me that will have any money in any shape or form on Washington Jacksonville. Yeah, DirecTV allows you a screen with eight games. There are nine early games. This has to be the game that falls off the screen. That they don't include on <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, throw the trifecta. Let's just go quickly. Same thing. I mean, the fact it went from six and a half through seven, now seven and a half. I don't know who fell in love with Jacksonville, but I want nothing to do with that game. Yeah, they pitched a shutout. They pitched a shutout a couple weeks ago, and what they do? They scored six. Now they're favored by seven and a half. <laughs> yeah, make it four. Crazy. That'd be that'd be the game I'd include. That does it for us, gentlemen. Thank you as always, Marco Ace Staples. Pillars of the show. Thank you, guys. And Brady Cannon, our only returning guest of the year thus far, 2011 Super Contest champion. Mini contest begins, Brady. Let's do this. Yeah, that's all we've got left. Uh, San Susi hoping for a $15,000 consolation prize. Let's do it. I'm not on the team, but I'm rooting for myself, quite frankly. Uh, Marco, <laughs> Marco, Marco and Ace, uh, I apologize. I didn't even give you guys a chance to say anything, but thank you guys, both of you, seriously. Always there when you need them. We love doing it, Gil. Appreciate it, man. Let's do it. Everybody, good luck on all your picks. And as always, thank you so much for listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.